0: Hello, everyone. Today, The Worm Audiobook Project brings you our third and final full cast production. This chapter follows the perspectives of various people in the aftermath of the climactic behemoth fight. I wish every chapter could be done like this, but unfortunately, the time and effort required is just too much for beyond these few chapters. Remember to please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com. And now, Arc 24, Interlude 2.
1: Section 1. The Wards. Well bandaged. They did a good job. The doctor had to raise her voice to be heard over the helicopter's rotors. She was older, blonde to the point that it was hard to distinguish if her hair was so blonde or graying. Her expression creased in concern. Wanton nodded mutely. "'What happened?' the doctor asked him. "'Falling debris,' Tecton offered from the other side of the helicopter. The doctor nodded. "'We'll leave as it is. The pain's okay?' "'Mads help,' Wanton said. "'Feels like I'm almost dreaming, and I'm going to wake up and none of this will have happened.' "'It happened,' Tecton said. "'Why isn't everyone cheering and hollering anymore?' "'Really fucking tired.' (laughs) Grace said. She was beside Cuff, who had been stripped of her armor from the waist up, with only a thin covering of near-liquid metal on her upper body for modesty's sake. A nurse was attending to her arm. "'Really tired,' Gollum said. "'Oh my god, my entire body hurts, and I didn't even take a direct hit!' "'The roars and shock waves might have done internal damage,' the doctor said. "'You'll each need a CT scan and MRI.' Let me know if there's any acute pain. I think it's more that I've never exercised this much in my life, Gollum said. You'll hurt worse tomorrow, Grace commented. Damn. The doctor, for her part, turned her attention to Wanton. We need to double check for bone fragments when we get back to the hospital. You'll need surgery. Chances are good this was a rush job. I... my arm... Wanton said lamely. I'm sorry, the doctor responded. "Now it's like I should feel worse, but I don't. Maybe it's the drugs, but I feel this rush, like I've never been so glad to be alive. I'm pumped! You may be in shock, the doctor observed. We're all in shock, Tecton said. There were murmurs of agreement across the helicopter. "'Is anyone else a little freaked out?' Cuff asked. "'Freaked out?' the doctor asked. Cuff shook her head, not responding. Her attention had shifted to her arm as the doctor bound it. Tecton ventured a reply instead. "'I think I understand what Cuff means. It's hard to believe he's gone. It's like, you're five years old and Leviathan appears for the first time, and your parents have to explain that a bunch of people died, and it's because of these monsters.' and yet no one has figured out why. Yeah, Cuff said. What happens next? Leviathan or the Simurgh? We kill them? Stop them from blowing up or doing their version of blowing up? I can't really imagine that we'd beat them, give our all and hope that Skion shows up in fights like that again, kill them, and then have everything be okay. You just got powers barely a month ago, and you're already this grim? Wanton asked. "'I've been dealing with the aftermath of the Endbringer attacks for a while,' Cuff said. Her eyes were on the floor, an expression of pain crossed her face as the doctor cut away a tag of burned skin on her shoulder. The scar was like a snowflake carved into the skin surface, angry and red. Her arms seemed to tremble involuntarily. "'It's okay to worry,' Tecton said. He gestured towards Weaver. Weaver said as much. They've got a nasty habit of escalating in fights themselves, and in the grand scheme of things, Behemoth got too… predictable. So Leviathan started showing up. We started to coordinate defenses, get the world on board to deal with them. Simmer comes. And now we killed one, so how do they escalate from there? Grace asked. It's a concern, Tecton said, and it's one that people all around the world are going to be discussing. Rely on them. Don't take the full weight of the world onto your shoulders. We fought, you guys made a good show of it," Tecton said. I could've done more, Cuff said. You're new, inexperienced, and I don't mean that in a bad way. As far as jumping in with both feet first, you guys managed it. You, Gollum, and X, you stood up there, shoulder to shoulder with veteran heroes, and you fought, even though you're rookies. You have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of, okay?" Cuff didn't reply. "'Okay?' Tecton asked. "'When my family got killed in Hawaii, I made promises to myself. "'It's why I came. "'I don't feel like I did enough to fulfill my own end of those promises.' "'There's always a next time,' Tecton said. "'You say that like it's a good thing,' Wanton said. "'Yeah, shit.' Grace muttered, "'It's not quite over yet, right?' "'Right,' Tecton said. But there's time before the next one. Let people in the know handle the worrying. We did everything we could. Now we recuperate. We celebrate. Because we deserve to. We take the time to heal. In response to the glances cast his way, Wanton waved his stump around. Going to take getting used to. Getting dressed. Eating. He moved the stump in the direction of his lap, jerking it up and down. Cuff looked and squeaked in embarrassment before averting her eyes. Writing. Wanton finished, a goofy smile on his face. "'Your handwriting must be awful,' Gollum said. There were chuckles here and there from among the group. Even the nurse tending to cough smiled. "'We did good,' Tecton said. And some people will recognize that. Others are going to see all the bad that happened in New Delhi and point fingers. Be ready in case you fall under the crosshairs.' There were nods from the rest of the Chicago wards. Tecton glanced at Weaver, then back to his team. "'What do you think?' "'You have to ask,' Grace asked. "'You weren't keen on the idea at first, Tecton replied. "'I'm still not. Not a hundred percent. "'But whatever little doubts I have, it's kind of a no-brainer.' "'Yep,' Wanton said. "'Gollum?' Tecton asked. "'Have you ever talked to her about it?' "'I'm a little scared to,' the boy said. "'I mean...,' he glanced at the doctor. Everything here is confidential, Tecton said. Well, given my past, the people I was with before I came here, I'm worried there's hard feelings. They were in the same city. I don't know what exactly happened. What if one of them did something to Weaver, or her friends? Is she the type to hold a grudge? Going by what apparently happened in Brockton Bay, Wanton said, mm, not so much. If she has a reason to hold a grudge, you don't tend to live very long. Gollum frowned. You're not being helpful, Wanton. Or fair to Weaver, Tecton said. I'm suffering, Tech, Wanton said, making the words into an exaggerated groan. Tecton shook his head, turning to Gollum. Tell her. Explain your circumstance. Let her know you're from the same city, that you don't share your family's ideology. The name should say as much," Gollum said. Tecton nodded. He drew in a deep breath, then exhaled. The adrenaline was burning off, and with it, a deep exhaustion was settling in. He looked at Weaver, where she sat at the far end of the bench. Her old teammate had insisted on coming with her, along with a cluster of small dogs. They'd fallen asleep within two minutes of takeoff. Weaver had been first, her head leaning against her friend's shoulder. Her friend had been next to drift off, a dog in her lap, others lying underneath the bench. We'll talk to the bosses, Tecton said. See about taking Weaver onto the team.
2: How is this supposed to work? Dormy, Pretender said. A light sliced across the floor of the alleyway, three feet across. When it had reached its full length, it began thickening. Raising up until the portal was a full four by seven feet. There was a long white hallway on the other side. Carefully, he stepped through, with legs that weren't his own. Pretender. He stopped, then turned around. Sater. You don't have to go with them, Satirical said. I think today proved I do. And everything we were working on? Everything we were working towards? I talked to some powerful people. People behind the scenes we've barely heard of. Pretender replied. What we were working on in Vegas doesn't even compare. Small potatoes. Doesn't feel like small potatoes. What's so important that you'd run off? Pretender frowned, an expression hidden by the helmet he wore. You can talk to me. You know I can keep secrets. Or are you talking about the Endbringers? I think today showed they can deal with enbringers on their own, Sater said. It's bigger things. Bigger than Endbringers, Pretender answered. End of the world. Satirical sighed. Of course it is. I'll help you with the little things when I have the time. We have resources and maybe we can use you guys. Sounds like a plan, Sater said. He approached Pretender, extending a hand. Pretender shook, gingerly, unsure of the full extent of Alexandria's enhanced strength. Satyr held on to the hand, caressing it. They say you should marry your best friend. And now that you're a woman... Pretender chuckled a little, before withdrawing his hand from Satyr's. That line again? I don't think that's what they meant. She's yours for keeps. Brain dead. Her body's peculiar, doesn't really age. Hair doesn't grow, nails don't grow. Wounds don't really heal or get worse. She used cosmetics to look older, to throw people off. Only the brain was left pliable, adaptable. Even then, most of it was hardened, protected. Those duties offloaded to her agent. Satyr studied Pretender's new body without shame his eyes rested on Pretender's forehead. I see. And with that plasticity, the brain was left more vulnerable. Only a little. Enough to be an Achilles heel. She's a Case-53, I suppose. All of us, maybe. All cauldron capes. Pretender nodded. To some degree or another. Seder seemed to take that into consideration, rubbing his chin. When he spoke, though, he spoke of something else. What you did. You knew that they'd figured you out, and that I was next in line, that I'd get questioned too. You killed her for my sake, to buy me time. Are you mad? Sader shook his head. We've killed before. Selfishly. Selflessly. Only difference is you got caught. Well, I got away. In a fashion, yes, you got away, Sater said. You've even reached a higher position in life. Wearing someone else's skin, living their life, Pretender replied. Yes, well, that was always going to be your fate, wasn't it? Pretender chuckled. I've missed you, buddy. Likewise, you freakin' nature, Sater responded. Just because we're doing different things now, It doesn't mean goodbye. Good. We stay in touch, Pretender said. I'm sure my new group can use you, and you can draw on our resources, I'm sure. Our goals are more or less aligned. Only difference is scale. Well then, good luck with saving the world. And good luck with saving civilization from itself, Pretender answered. He looked skyward for a moment. Close the door. The portal closed.
3: Connecting to agchat.parahumansonline016.par 6667. Attempt 1 of 55. Resolving hostname. Connecting. Connected. Using identity Iblis. Nick Iblis. Welcome to Parahumans Online Chat Room Number 116, The Holdout. Rules here. Behave. Obey the Ats.
4: REAS Shorthand for Seismic Activity.
5: Earthquakes. Crickets. Any word on the deaths yet? Divide. No word on deaths. This is Behemoth. It's normal to see a radio silence like this. Divide. They can't report deaths because the armbands got knocked out.
6: spirits yeah. Hey, Iblis. Iblis. Word is First Capes are returning home.
1: Aloha. What?
6: Loyal.
2: Who? Who? Names! Deimos. How is New Delhi?
7: At deadman at. I'm in contact with main channel. Can pass on details if you can verify. At deadman at. PM me.
6: Iblis. Loyal. Not sure. Iblis, Damos. City hit bad. Iblis, dead man. Not sure how to verify. Only have texts on phone. Sending PM.
8: Point. They made it. Bad
6: samurai. How bad?
5: Ultracut, Point. Nobody's saying they made it.
2: Point. They stopped him, or they wouldn't be leaving. Damos. No. New Delhi hit bad.
1: Aloha.
6: Blech. Iblis. Texts I'm getting from Cape Wife, friend, are saying Scion finished Behemoth off. Iblis. Absolute Annihilation. Qwerty D. Troll.
9: Groupies. No fucking way.
3: Aloha. what? Deimos is now known as Absolute Annihilation.
7: At dead man At. Verify
0: now or ban.
2: Absolute annihilation. Fuck yeah, Scion!
0: RC. OMG, what? Iblis.
6: Sending PM with text.
10: Colin shifted his weight restlessly, watching the screens. There was a process he knew. He'd been filled in on the details, forewarned. That didn't make this any easier. Too many years he'd spent alone. Too many years he'd had nothing to care about, nothing and nobody to hold precious. A dad who'd worked two jobs, a mother who traveled. They'd divorced, and virtually nothing had changed in the grand scheme of things. They'd looked after him, but they hadn't been there. They'd been occupied with other things, with dreams and aspirations that had never included him. Colin knew he'd been a weird child, had never made friends, had convinced himself he didn't want or need them. He was efficient in how solitary he was. He'd even prided himself on it for a time that there was nothing to hold him back, that he could, should the mood strike him, pick up and leave at any time. He'd modeled his life around it, had led a spare existence devoid of the little touches of home, of roots. He'd saved money so he had the ability to travel, to get a new place in a new city if the mood struck. It had even been an asset when he joined the Protectorate, the ability to relocate, take any open position. It was only now, a full 15 years later, that he started to wonder what he'd missed out on. Did most people know how to handle this sort of thing, the absence of someone they cared about? Did they have an easier time handling the moments when they weren't sure if they'd ever see those people again, or was it harder? He'd altered Dragon's code. It wasn't a tidy thing. Tinker work rarely was. There were too many factors to consider, and a tinker who didn't specialize in a particular area would never be able to plumb the depths. Too many things connected to other things, and the full extent of the connections was impossible to fathom entirely. At best, he could study each alteration as much as was possible, act in ways that could minimize the damage. Every adjustment, even on the smallest levels, threatened to damage a dozen, a hundred other areas. And now, he would find out if Dragon's backup would restore properly. Error. Temporal Modeling. Node 0, 8. Has failed to load. Attempting Child Routines to Bridge. Error. Horospectral Analysis. Node one 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 nine 1, 9. Has failed to load. Attempting child routines to bridge. Successful load. Circadian check match. Node ER 089. Require 2 of 3. Stable child routines for acceptable bridge. Error. Meteorological chronostic. Node Q1118. 1, 1, 1, Has failed to load. Attempting child routines to bridge. Error. Stimuli tracking. Node FQ. Has failed to load. Attempting child routines to bridge. Successful load. Orientation patch node FQ zero two nine zero three require three of three stable child routines for acceptable bridge error parietal space node FQ one six one one seven eight has failed to load attempting child routines to bridge error recognition domain node F Q two nine nine six three nine has failed to load attempting child routines to bridge He pulled off his helmet, setting it on the bench beneath the monitor. He rubbed one hand across his head. He'd taken to shaving it close, in part for the efficiency of it, in part because the surgeries to replace his eye and the implants he'd set into the recesses in his skull had required incisions into his scalp. Dragon had handled that. His fingers traced the faint, almost imperceptible scars that ran neatly across the sides and top of his head, marks she'd left on him. More errors appeared on the screen. The estimated time of a successful backup clicked upwards with each one. Two hours. Three hours. Six hours. At the same time, in Colin's head, the odds of a successful load were going down. 25%. 23. 15. There were other backups. He suspected the ones that had been uploaded after his tampering would run into the same issues, the same errors. The ones before? Before he'd altered anything? It would be a different dragon than the one he'd come to know. She would watch the video feeds, listen to the tapes, even experience some of those things for herself where the system had taken it all online, but she wouldn't be the same dragon he knew. The organic AI architecture would develop in different ways, with different nuances. So many things connected to so many other things with each new experience, and the connections would occur in a different fashion. No, he realized. Even worse, he would have to head her off before she got access to the data. If he had to load that backup, he would be loading her as she was before he freed her from the PRT shackles. She would be obligated to fight him. He'd manage a sneak attack the first time. The second? She'd see what he did, force him to try other means. And he'd have to be more ruthless, knowing he was doing harm to her, injuring her to her core. He couldn't bear to watch further. It was too soon to try another backup, both in terms of the system's ability to handle the task and his own ability. But sitting here, watching the list of errors grow, it was angering him, and it was an anger without a focus. Touching two fingers to his lips, Colin moved those fingers to the monitor's frame, pressing them there. The gesture was sentimental enough it felt unlike him, somehow false. Doing nothing would feel wrong, too. That was his current state, stranded inside his own head, in the midst of his own feelings. Uncharted territory, in a way. He pulled on his helmet, stepped outside, and hopped onto the nose of the Tiamat too. New Delhi loomed before him, ruined, damaged, impossible to recover. The sun was only now setting and the sky was red, mingling with the traces of clouds that still remained in the sky. He wanted to contact Chevalier, to know that his friend was okay, that the protectorate was okay. He didn't trust himself to stay calm, to keep from saying something about Dragon, from venting, being emotional. Chevalier would understand, he suspected, but Colin's masculinity would take a hit, and it would only cause more trouble than it fixed staring out at the city and the crowds of people in hazmat suits who were moving in for relief for search and rescue he frowned he and dragon had had some intense discussions on the subject of what it was to be a man to be human to be masculine feminine dragon had been pissed when he suggested she was the feminine ideal that in the eternal crisis that any woman faced between being the virgin the madonna and being sensual sexual she was both he wished he'd understood why she'd been so angry to be a man though it wasn't much easier. The standard society set was just as high. To be a provider, a rock, to be sensitive, yet avoid being emotional. For long minutes he stared out over the city, watching the sun dip beneath the horizon, the smoke and dust making the distant stars light hazier and fuzzier. too, he said, alert me when the system has finished the backup process, one way or another. Yes, Defiant, uncomfortably similar to Dragon's voice. He felt an ache in his chest. He hopped down from the nose of the craft, then used his spear to help himself down from the craggy edge of terrain that had been raised up from the earth in the chaos. He strode forward, towards the city proper, calibrating his helmet to help identify any warm bodies.
5: Annex? Kirk? Kirk sat up from the hospital bed. You can stay where you are, the doctor said, not looking up from the clipboard. I'm okay, Kirk said. Your test results are taking some time, I'm sorry. We can expect a two or three hour wait. Half an hour for the MRI, 45 minutes for the CT scan. At least it's something to do, Kirk replied. You'd be surprised at how quickly it gets boring, the doctor answered. Kirk winced. Okay, can I maybe use a phone in the meantime, call my parents? They'll be wondering. They've already been informed, the man answered. They'll be here shortly. There's paperwork they'll have to sign because a few of your teammates are also walking around without any protection for their identities, but I don't imagine they'll take long. Maybe I can call my friends? They'll be wondering how I'm doing. They know about your life and costume? They were there when I got my powers. I just want to call someone, anyone I know, to occupy my thoughts. To talk. There's a phone at the nurse's station, center of the floor. Ask, and they'll punch in the number to dial out. Okay, Kirk said, smiling. He gripped the side of his hospital gown to bind it shut. I, the doctor started, he stopped and frowned. Kirk had halted in his tracks, shifting his weight to keep his bare feet from making too much contact with the cold floor. Odd, in a way, that he had to, but his power tended to be all or nothing. I shouldn't tell you this, and I'm not naming names, but the first test results have come in for some of your other friends who write your side in New Delhi. Here, and in other cities. The tests for radiation are coming back negative. Kirk blinked. No promises it'll be the same for you, but a bit of hope, Kirk asked. With luck. (sighs) Thank you, Kirk said, smiling for the first time. Thank you. I should be the one saying that to you, the doctor said. Just don't be too disappointed if the answer isn't what you wanted, okay? Deal, Kirk answered.
1: Further reports are coming in from multiple sources. The Endbringer Behemoth has been reported as being slain in New Delhi.
7: Yes, Lisbeth. Video footage is always scarce when dealing with the Endbringers, but verification has been consistent from multiple sources. It seems the footage seen earlier of the Great Shaft of Light was an attack from an unknown party, debilitating the Endbringer. Defending forces held the injured monster off until Scion could arrive, delivering a finishing blow.
1: Earlier in the year, for those of you who don't remember... Chivalier boasted of a new protectorate, clear of the sabotage and inference from its own leaders. Today may serve as a testament to that boast.
7: All around the world, people seem to be celebrating, but it's a markedly cautious celebration. Early polls on the UKCC website suggest that a full 18% of people who voted are waiting for more information or verification before celebrating the hero's victory, and 10% of people don't intend to celebrate at all. Not at all? No, Elizabeth. In the common thread of the poll, a common trend seems to be the feeling that he isn't or can't be dead, that the heroes were mistaken, or that this might even provoke a response from the remaining Endbringers.
1: Amazing! We're just now getting more information on the-
8: Dad? Taylor! Oh my god. You're alive. I wasn't sure if you wanted me- Are you hurt? I'm okay. I just got the tests back, and there's no sign of ambient radiation or any of that. I'm glad. Me too. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to call. You haven't replied to my messages about being there, if and when they invite me to the wards. And you were there for court, but you didn't talk to me. I am glad you called. About my knot. We killed him. The words were blurted out. There was a silence on the line. Mahemoth is dead. Silence still. We killed him. The words were a repeat of earlier, as if that summed it up. I think it's already on the news. I know. I saw, but I didn't quite believe it. I'm dumbfounded. Amazed. I'm so proud of you. Wow. I wanted to tell you before you heard from others but there's so much goddamn bureaucracy going on, and they wouldn't give me a phone in the hospital room. Were you... Did you help? Were you a part of that? Yes, of course. I'm just... I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Wow. There was a silence on the other end, this time. Taylor? I've had a lot of time to think wonder why you didn't come. Why you haven't visited me. You're afraid of me. Taylor, that's not- It's true, isn't it? And all of the doubts I had before dialing the phone and calling you? They were right. This makes it worse. I have a rap sheet that's like 80 pages thick, and I killed a man, and then I killed Director Tag and Alexandria. She is dead, by the way, If you see her on the news, it's just a cape that stole her body. Her corpse. And now you hear about me fighting Behemoth, and it makes it worse? I can't even talk about what I did without digging the knife in deeper. Taylor, no. It's not fear. I saw some of your friends not long ago. I wanted to talk to your employee, Charlotte, and the others came. And I saw this whole other life, this sight of you I couldn't recognize at all. Little things that I recognized, yes, and then big things, things I could barely fathom. I've never been able to handle loss well, with a net, and now feeling like maybe I lost you. I just. I just want to adjust, to get my head around this. And then I can visit and things will be like they were. Things aren't going to be like they were, Dad. I don't want them to be. I'm trying to put as much distance between the person I was then and the person I am now as I can. I'm sucking pretty hard at it, but I'm trying. Except maybe today, I found a middle ground. And it worked. In a way that makes me proud and terrified and amazed and confused. And apparently, I'm in trouble for something I did. I'm in trouble because I was wearing a camera and they saw the footage and I was walking that middle ground between the person I was and the person they want me to be. And I did a lot of borderline sketchy shit just to get by and they don't understand. There was a note of emotion in the last word. A break in the rant. Taylor. One word and then silence. The voice was calmer this time, more measured. I'm sorry. I'm really tired. I'm going in soon to talk to them. They've made it clear they aren't happy. Except I think they're a little bit afraid of me, too. Afraid of me like my own dad is. That's not fair. Deny it. There was a pause. I'm not afraid, Taylor. If there's any fear, my love for you outweighs it by far. Understand? But the phone was already steadily buzzing with a dial tone. The pause was enough.
3: Topic. Footage. In. Boards. World News. Maine. Original poster. Bagrat. Posted on July 26th. 2011
4: link here mirrors here here and here came directly to me cuts in and out but that's to be expected more info later better to watch and see for yourself than get it here
3: showing page 39 of 39 that dude replied on july twenty sixth, 2011
2: at bystander i don't know but holy shit that was intense I wish there was more at the end.
3: Main Magenta. Replied on July 26th, 2011.
9: When cyan uses his power, it disturbs electronics. It's why when he flies, you can't track him unless it's with your eyes. OMG, I'm only halfway through. This is almost a feature-length film.
3: Dog Smiles. Veteran Poster Badge. Replied on July 26th, 2011.
8: Anyone else have to look up some of the people in there? I almost thought one or two weren't villains.
3: Saskatchew. Replied on July twenty sixth, 2011.
5: It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? There's only like 20 in my province, but you think maybe one can do something like we saw partway through. And it's like, wow, holy shit. I could run into them in the street at any time.
3: Fajic. Replied on July twenty sixth, 2011. Holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. 56 minutes in. Me. Replied on July 26, 2011.
6: At 49 minutes. When she's talking to the guy in blue, who is that? Not in the wiki. How do you even spell that? She turns on her friend? What happens to that guy? Did he die? Did she get him killed?
3: Forgotten creator. Replied on July 26, 2011.
5: At dog smiles. I had to look up one or two. There was a short doc about some of them a bit ago after Alexandria died. You can find it here.
3: Logs. Replied on July twenty 2011.
7: Let's see. Note the link back to this thread just earlier today. Kid has Weaver show up for Ward's event at Park. Paraphrasing hearsay, I had everything, I gave it up. You can see how much she cares about them. Is the Echidna thing tied to the mysterious info blackout in Brockton Bay regarding the time portal created? Wondering about Tekton. Liking his talk about powers and building teams, but he defects leadership to known ex-villain who knows little to nothing about his team. Anyone else wondering why they went with the V hand sign? That's a rude gesture in New Delhi, 99% sure. Americans. Intimate moment between Weaver and Grew. Anyone else feel like a pervert watching this? Can't see anything, but I think they're kissing. If I thought this was staged, I stopped when this happened. Regent Anne, girl with the grey mask, I forget her name. Funny as hell. Hoping they all make it out okay. Have to stop at 12 minute mark. Burned girl. Too real.
3: General Prancer. Replied on July 26th, 2011.
8: Anyone else really interested in learning more about Weaver? Edit. Atlogs. Don't get too attached to anyone.
3: Noveltree Replied on July 26th, 2011.
1: This cuts out at the most frustrating times.
3: End of page 39 out of 39 in this thread.
9: Glenn reached across his keyboard to refresh his email, then hit the key on his keyboard to shut down the machine. While the screen went through the motions, Glenn walked around the desk to kneel on the floor. The computer itself was set into a recess in the floor, and he worked at unplugging and unscrewing each wire in turn. A butterfly flew across his field of vision, and he jumped despite himself. Weaver, he said, turning around. Glenn? She wasn't in costume, but her glower was intense enough that she might as well have been in her full garb as Skitter, complete with shawl, skirt, and the carpet of insects crawling on her. Recuperating?
11: Not as much as I'd like.
9: Her voice was hard.
11: I'm not having the best day on a lot of levels.
4: Still waiting for the tribunal to convene? It's been hours now.
11: The secretary's supposed to call me. They gave me one of the superhero phones so I could call my dad, told me to hold on to it. I'd take it as a good sign, except there's a video circulating online. My video. Well past the point where anyone could hope to control access to it. Mirrors, bit-sharing, hard copies.
4: I
9: see. Upsetting.
11: Yeah, just a little,
9: she said. The tone was light, but her expression remained the same. Packing up? Yes. He tried to lift the desktop, found more wires attached to the bottom, and set it down to unplug them. I expect I'll be fired. They'll make me clean out my office,
4: so I figured I would get a head start. I don't keep anything permanent that isn't on my personal computer, so this box is all I need. She didn't respond. He tried to lift it again, only to find more wires connected on the front. No need to worry. If you're here to inflict some bug-induced torture on me, you can save yourself a lot of effort by leaving me to my own devices with this damned box. I promise you, I'll figure out something worse to do to myself.
9: Butterfly circled her as she stalked forward. Glenn backed away a step before he realized what she was doing. She wasn't even a third of his weight, and the only insects she seemed to have on hand were butterflies, but he felt a touch intimidated nonetheless. Were the butterflies supposed to be ironic? A gesture? She knelt down beside the computer, fiddled around and disconnected the remaining wires, then lifted the box up to the floor beside the recess. Thank you.
4: I'm good with computers, with software, but laughably bad with the technology.
11: Why, Glenn, it was private. It was supposed to be for therapy.
4: Wasn't my choice to parcel it out. Dragon was killed, by all accounts, and Director Wilkins made the call to hand it out, for your pending conduct review.
11: And you made the call to release it online.
4: I suppose Tattletail informed you. Do you know how frustrating it is to be a mere human being among powers like you and your friend? I don't
11: know. I figure you can relieve your stress by uploading their personal videos to the internet.
4: Glenn sighed. (sighs) You're tired. You're
9: not being rational.
11: Oh, yeah. That's totally the way to talk to a girl.
9: Glenn stepped forwards, resisted the urge to flinch as the butterflies briefly invaded his personal space. He met her eyes, waited for her to look away, then snapped right in front of her. Her eyes locked onto his, and she looked even more irritated. Stop.
4: Look me in the eyes. I want to talk to Weaver the
9: Strategist, not Taylor. She didn't move a muscle, but he wondered if the butterflies changed course. She remained silent, glowering. I know you're tired.
4: Today took a lot out of you. But think. What purpose does it serve to upload the video?
11: It's the best footage you have of the event. The best way to sell the win, the PRT's involvement.
4: Think bigger.
11: That's pretty damn big.
4: Bigger, Weaver. Come on. Do you think I got to where I am by thinking one-dimensionally? What else? Why? I'm getting fired. I knew I'd get fired. Would I do it just for that? Probably
11: if there wasn't another way.
4: With an ego like mine...
11: Honestly, your ego can't be that big if you wear those clothes.
9: Despite himself, he was a little stung. He had cultivated his image to demand attention. Even his weight was calculated to make it clear he was not one of them, that he was someone with power, presence. His clothes were admittedly awful. They were intended to be awful, but they didn't diminish his sense of pride in the least. It was a shame he was undoubtedly going to lose his job. It would be nice to discuss the idea of image from two very different perspectives.
4: I'm not your adversary, Weaver.
11: No, I can't help but feel you're an albatross around my neck. I keep hearing that you've done stuff to help, but I keep experiencing this... this.
4: I'm your ally, Weaver. You think I don't recognize the issues in the PRT? The corruption that's still at the core? The need for change? There has to be some sacrifice, and there has to be someone to step forward. A harbinger for that change. Chevalier may be the hero of the day. He can lay the groundwork for change, but he can't be that harbinger. He's too entrenched.
11: You want me to be the harbinger.
4: It'll be hard, but I think you'll manage with that. Putting this video online, it's going to achieve a lot of things. I think, seeing you in the thick of it, it's going to change people's opinion of you. There'll be controversy... Some will hate you, but others? This will be their first view of what it's truly like on the battlefield. They'll have to like you, to sympathize. But the rule of three says you won't be forgotten about.
11: Rule of three?
4: Three times you've been forced into the public eye, as the leader of Brockton Bay, as the newly christened Weaver, Slayer of Alexandria, and here in the video.
11: I was just thinking about something like that in a totally different way. Twice now, I've betrayed my teammates. At first, when they found out I was an aspiring hero, an undercover operative. Then I became Weaver. This'll be the third. I had the camera, stuff was said and done, private stuff talked about, and they won't like it. They didn't ask to be in the spotlight any more than I did.
4: Some of it will endear you to the public.
11: Being worshipped as a god wouldn't be worth hurting them again. Gru believes that image and reputation are a kind of protection. Being seen as soft when he's dealing with people in the criminal underworld, it could get him killed.
4: They'll forgive you that setback, I'm sure. They'll understand you didn't choose to do it.
11: Rachel's not the understanding type. I've fought an uphill battle to get her trust, and if she feels hurt by this or if she registers that others are hurt and that I'm the culprit in any way...
4: With luck... Public opinion and an insight into the bond you have with the team will make it easier to interact with your old team. You'll have more chances to fix any damage. Weaver shook her head, staring down at the ground. It's an honest look into what the heroes do, Weaver. What you capes face every day. Why there's so much gray in the moral palette. With this, Chevalier's new protectorate won't be something that exists in name only.
11: You could have asked.
4: You would have said no, and there was no time. We needed to make it absolutely clear just what you and the rest of the heroes did on the field so Scion couldn't overshadow you. We needed to do it right away. Cement the idea into the public
9: mind so it was the first concrete piece of information they got. She stared at the ground. The lines in her face were deep with exhaustion. The butterflies had landed on her shoulders and arms. He let the idea sit. Better to let her speak next. She did.
11: Chevalier is laying the groundwork. I'm the harbinger. And you're the sacrifice, then?
4: He met her eyes. They won't be as upset with you as they are right this moment. I'll draw the initial heat. By the time they're done with me, my career and any possible job in a related field will be ashes in the wind. For you... Well, it'll tip the scales. If you're halfway into the deserves a medal camp and halfway into the needs to be punished camp, this will help.
11: I could have done some things better, but was I that bad?
4: Consorting with villains you were supposed to avoid, putting wards on the line to help them, dealing with fear say without contacting any superiors. You ignored the rules regarding image, took gambles.
11: I had to, all of that. I was told that rules are relaxed on the field. You can't seriously expect me to use butterflies against Behemoth.
4: Of course not. Do you think I'm stupid? I know this. But there's a lot of people paying attention to this. Many people who will be in that room won't know these things, won't fully understand. Some won't even watch the video before they pass judgment on what occurred in it. Never
9: underestimate the stupidity of people. Weaver made a sound, halfway to a sigh, halfway to a laugh. (laughs) Glenn smiled a little. The video
4: burns one bridge. No more butterflies. Though they won't hurt, because it makes it a hell of a lot harder for any common criminals to complain about an excess use of
9: power. But I'm digressing. Weaver's phone beeped. A moment later, Glenn's vibrated. He checked it. Convening to discuss Weaver's conduct in room F. Please attend. He closed the message window.
11: Thank you, I think. I'm supposed to go now.
9: Me too. Join me? Weaver nodded. Her collection of butterflies led the way out of the office. Glenn spoke without looking at her. I don't
4: expect you to like me. Never really did. One of the first and biggest problems you ran into was with your image. It's a problem even now, I suspect. It will continue to be a problem, especially now that you're in the limelight.
11: Uh Uh-huh.
9: Glenn reached into his vest pocket and withdrew a case. He opened it, removed a business card, and handed it over. My number. In case you need advice.
4: Well, use my cell. My work number probably won't be mine for much longer.
9: Weaver stared down at the card. She didn't need to look up as she walked, as the butterflies checked her path for her. Other bugs had joined them.
4: Just do me a favor. Weaver glanced at him. Make friends with whoever they hire to replace me. Listen to them. You're allowed to hate them too, but hear them out. Can't hurt.
9: She nodded. She looked down at the card again, then looked up at him.
11: Can I call this in now? It's about my dad.
10: Defiant? Defiant couldn't move as he held a heavy concrete slab out of the way for emergency crews. He used the cursor embedded in his eye to select the answer command and shut the vents around his mouth. Tiamat, hold off any reports for now. Can't take it, not right this moment. It's me.
0: Hi. This is Rain. Thank you for listening to this special full cast interlude chapter from the web serial Worm, written by JC McCrae and performed by the Worm audiobook project. I want to extend my thanks to the 21 people who contributed to the 36 unique roles in this chapter. The credits will continue after the outro. I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported the Worm Audiobook Project by telling their friends and family, and sharing on social media. Speaking of, we have a Facebook page now. You can find it at facebook.com slash worm audiobook. Remember, you can always find every chapter on our website, audioworm.rein-online.org, You can also find us on iTunes or any podcast app by searching Worm Audiobook. As always, thank you for listening. editing and organization were done by rain part 1 the wards was narrated by sunshine lammy part 2 pretender and Seder, was narrated by genesis part 3 the Perihumans online chatroom the system voice was played by liar reuse was played by cried out divide was played by the rather large mammal spirit skin was played by Soul Pelt. Iblis was played by Parker Lindstrom. Aloha was played by Sunshine Lammy. Loyal was played by The Purple Banana. Deimos was played by Genesis. At Dead Man At was played by Antioch. Poit was played by Taverin. Bad Samurai was played by Sola. Qwerty D was played by Mr. Tom. Groupies was played by Omer Nevo. Part 4, Defiant, was narrated by Edgar Preen. Part 5, Annex, was narrated by The Rather Large Mammal. Part 6, The News Program, the role of Lisbeth, was played by Sunshine Lammy, and the role of the newscaster was played by Antioch. Part 7, Taylor and Danny, was narrated by Sola. Part 8. The Parahumans Online Message Board. The system voice was played by Liar. Bagrat was played by Cried Out. That Dude was played by Genesis. Main Magenta was played by Shenmage. Dog Smiles was played by Omer Nevo. Saskatchew was played by the Rather Large Mammal. Fay Chick was played by Vea. Ni nee was played by Parker Lindstrom. Forgotten Creator was played by The Purple Banana. Logs was played by Antioch. General Prancer was played by Sola. Noveltree was played by Crispy. Part 9, Glen and Weaver, was narrated by Stephen Zuber. The role of Weaver was played by Paige Weiss. And the role of Glenn was played by special guest Ineash Brodsky of the Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality podcast. The full text of these credits can be found on the post for this chapter on our site, audioworm.rein-online.org. Thank you.